This is Agents Influence Podcast. I really try to define scaling specifically for what it means to the CEO, the founder, or the owner. How can they scale? How can they grow their sales without having to be the individual who does all the sales? How can they form a sales team that's going to do the majority of the outbound and inbound conversations and prospecting and generating this engine of sales so that they don't have to be stuck in the business, following up on a quote or you know the actual day-to-day sales work that they could be working on the business to create the bigger lever movers that can really grow their business. I'm Jason Cass, and we're going to help you think differently, change your agency, change your finances, change your family, and in the end, we're going to change an industry. Let's go. Hey, loyal listeners, welcome to Agents Influence Conversations with Jason Cass. I am here today, just going to let you know I'm here with uh, a guy by the name of Mark Evans. And what we're going to do together is we're going to continue on the Summer of Sales series. So that basically, if you remember correctly, back on July 1st, uh, I teamed up with Total CSR to do the Commercial Alliance Prospecting and Sales course for insurance agents, first of its kind. It's really great. And I thought to myself, as these agents are kind of using the program, which I have to tell you, it has been overwhelming success on people who are using it and the feedback that I'm getting from agents, new agents and veterans alike. But what's nice about it is, is that I wanted to create a, a series for two months for July and August that kind of motivate you, kind of, kind of really get your engines flowing when it comes to, Hey, sales is important. And there's many different aspects in it. And you've probably been paying attention. I've, I've got people like Randy Schwantz, who is the uh, New York times bestselling author of the wedge, which basically is the insurance Bible when it comes to sales. I've had Charles Speck on here where he teaches us how to get insurance or how to sell by just getting broker of records. Uh, and we've had a lot of great people on here inside the industry and now outside the industry, like with Amy Frank. Franco. But now I want to continue that on with Mark Evans. Now he's got his toe in the insurance industry, but reason I like his expertise is he comes from a different uh, industry, an industry of technology that we're very familiar with, but the sales portion of that, understanding their thoughts, looking at the similarities, looking at the differences. And that's why I decided to bring Mark on. And uh, so without further ado, I would please, if you would, welcome to the stage, Mr. Mark Evans. Mark, how are you? Hey, Jason, I'm doing great today. How are you doing? Good, 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 good. Mark, uh, what's the name of your company? Standard Sales Company. I mean, everybody, does that just not seem like it's like, that's not exciting? And I said that to Mark. Mark, tell him what you said. Yeah, well, it's supposed to cut to the chase, right? I think there's so many companies out there that want to, um, I don't know, label themselves as pinnacle sales or whatever these are. And I'm just throwing these out there. And uh, I don't know, what does that really mean at the end of the day? Hey, I'm going to help you with sales. That's exactly what I'm going to do. I'm going to help you set some standards when it comes to your sales team and your sales process. I love it. I love it. I really do, Mark. I, I believe in finding out what 95% of the people are doing and do the exact opposite and you'll be successful. And that's what you're doing there. So I applaud you. Before Thanks. we get in and we find out more about who you are and your awesome company and how you change sales teams and individuals, let's get into the three questions that lets the customers, or excuse me, the customers, what am I talking about? That lets the loyal listeners find out who you are. Are you an iPhone or are you a Droid user? iPhone all the way. iPhone all the way. Never looking back. Never going to Droid. I mean, we've got too many accessories now, from the AirPods to the uh, iPads. We just we got it all. We're set as a family now. <laughs> That's true. That's true. Um, and and in the Droid world, we've had that for a while. We've had <laughs> things that were compatible with our product for a long time. I mean, I'm glad you Apple users have finally come into 2019. That's pretty Swing good. Yeah, there you go. <laughs> yeah, I know, I know, I know. It's a big thing here at our show. Uh, Let me ask you this. What's the latest app that you've downloaded? 
like uh, oh the latest yeah the latest app that i've downloaded uh there's two that i'm really loving one is freedom and that is a app blocking service so i love you know going on my phone i love interacting with um, customers clients prospects on social media and such however um i'm a guy that man when i go in i go all in and i can get very easily distracted so i've started using a app called freedom which basically sets a limit to how long I can be on my phone or what kind of apps I can use while on my phone. And it's been super uh, helpful for me in my productivity. Wow. Interesting. Freedom. I'll have to check that out. You said there was another one? Yeah. The other one is Overcast and that is a podcast player. And that's what I've listened to your podcast on as well as a bunch of others. And uh, I, I love it. I feel like it's got like the best um, like speeding of recording. So you can listen to a, a podcast at like one or one and a half times speed without mm-hmm. it really taken away from the podcast. Yeah. yeah. So those are my two. That's fantastic. Yeah. My, uh, I'd be interested for all you loyal listeners out there. You can email me or you can message me what your uh, reading speed is. Mine's about 1.3. If I'm trying to like, I know this sounds silly guys, but this is the kind of stuff. So I I'm rereading parts of the Tao of Seneca and mm, yeah. the, the way he writes when he wrote his letters I can't listen to a 1.3. I almost have to listen to a 1 or a 1.1 because, like, mm-hmm. you have to actually think about what he's saying in a deeper way. You know what I mean? And you have mm-hmm. to put it into the context of what the world was like back then when he was writing that. So, so, but if it's a very simple book and we're flying through it, yeah, I can get up around 1.3, 1.4. What say you, Mark? I'm a 1.5. It depends on what podcast I'm listening to. If it's yeah. um, like, are, are you a fan of Jocko Willink at all? Or his yes, podcast, the Jocko yes, podcast? I I, yeah, I have to listen to his at like 1.5. He's very deliberate in his speech, but man, I got things going on and I want to get to the juice. So for him, it's I'm like 1.5. And yeah. then for others, it's like, yeah, 1.2, 1.3. Fantastic, man. And then, you know, do you love to lose or, I mean, just goodness gracious, loyal listeners, I am just not doing it right today. I mean, I, I promise I got a lot of sleep last night and everything i feel good it's 8 10 in the morning right now man so you're doing great yeah i know so do you love to win or do you hate to lose i love to win yeah love i love to, to win, win. Yeah, I think uh, losing, I learn a lot from. I definitely learn the most from losing. But at the end of the day, man, when you win, that's how you get paid. That's how uh, I provide for my family. That's how I create a great life. And so, yeah, I love to win, but I certainly love the lessons that I take from losing. That's right. That is so. That is that is that is so legit. Based on where you are now, if you had to choose one, and because you could only choose, there was only two options. What has got you to where you are now? Skill or luck? Wow, that's a great question. I would have to say, oh man, you're really making me pause here. So where I'm at today, I would have to say, yeah, a lot of luck. Um, a lot of luck. I'm very, very fortunate that uh, I had the parents I have growing up, that my sisters were so supportive and laughed at all my jokes, which gave me a lot of the self-confidence that I have today, which has led to you know, different other uh, things, especially going into a sales career, which was great. Uh, and then meeting my wife, which was a very lucky circumstance as well, uh, which has just changed Ooh, my changed You're my the life, first yeah. one to ever bring up the wife. That's good, man. I'll tell you what, you're the first one to ever bring that up. And that's true. That's true. Well, it's true. Man, so much so much of who we are, right, is is just based on that. Like, like you know, I was thinking about this because this is the way I think sometimes, Mark. Mm-hmm. I was in Chicago uh, recently, like, well, not recently, like two months ago. I went to go see the uh, play Alexander. Or, yeah. Or, no, Hamilton, Hamilton. Oh, yeah. Not his first name, his last name, you idiot. I'm telling you, what is wrong with me today? So anyways, I went to go see Hamilton. And as I was sitting, I got this Airbnb like 40 some floors up. It was beautiful. And I'm sitting out on this balcony looking over at Chicago. And I haven't told anybody this, Mark. This is the first time I've told anybody this. And so I'm sitting there thinking, and I'm, yeah, I'm like on my fifth glass of wine. And I'm looking and I'm thinking to myself, you know what? These buildings are so massively tall, right? Mm -hmm. I mean, they're so massively tall. And I mean, I'm in the windy city where the wind is blowing like 50, 60 miles an hour. Not that day, but it does Mm -hmm. a lot off of Lake Michigan, you know, and these things just sit here and they can even waver back and forth, maybe three or four feet either way. And I started thinking like of the basis of that, like, like, about like how we as people are like those those structures and and how some of us stand taller than others. Mm-hmm. But one thing I think I know without being an engineer is that it 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 has to do 
with what the building's on, right? Mm-hmm. Like it, it has to do with the fact that they've they've driven those piles like deep into the ground. So it's just, so you, so I kind of start to see our relationships like that, right? Yeah. I start to see that we're built like these buildings, and some of these buildings are able to be built on even taller than they are because of maybe the foundation they have. But there was a lot of people who said, "I don't intend on this building being that tall, so we're not gonna, we don't have to go de- deep down to the bedrock." And I just thought about that, mm. and that has a lot to do because one of the deepest relationships of the building happens to be the the support that's right in the middle. Now I don't know this about all the engineering, but this is what I've read and I've been told, and I think that is a resemblance of our wives or our spouses. Mm-hmm. Because we can be surrounded by all these friends that we have deep relationships with, but there's truly one, actually two, if you believe in God, there's actually one deep relationship that really that, that kind of sets the tone for how tall that building's going to be able to go up. Does that make sense? Oh, I totally agree with that. And it's funny you bring that up. So this week, I'm actually leaving on Thursday to go down to Knoxville, Tennessee, where I am performing my second wedding, uh, where I'll be the wedding officiant, basically. I try to tell people that, hey, I'm getting married again. But that's not as uh, that people start looking at me a little (laughs) cross-eyed, right? And uh, so I married a first couple like five years ago or so. They're still together. They're very happy. So I'm considering that a success. So I get the opportunity to do it again this week. And it's so funny that you bring that up because last night as I'm practicing my wedding officiant message and the whole ceremony and stuff like that. Yeah, that's a lot of what I'm talking about. And I think like trust is a big factor of that. And it's, you know, when you mention Hamilton, which I've seen as well, it's almost impossible to not after viewing and seeing that play to not start thinking about, man, the relationships, the people that come into our lives, whether it's our spouses, the mentors, man, we are just blessed. We are very, very lucky to have those that come in and and touch us for that period of time and put us on a path that we probably never would have been able to pick for ourselves. You are right about that. You are right about that. Okay. We got juice already, loyal listeners. So here we go. Mark, take us back. Where, as far as you want to go back, you can go to diapers, you can be 10, <laughs> you can start college, wherever you want to start, mm-hmm. and bring us forward to where you are now. Help us understand the path you've taken so that we can help you see where you're going. Yeah, that sounds great. So I'll start back when I was about four years old or so. So my parents uh, come from Western Illinois, and my dad's from a big family. He's got 14 siblings, hundreds of cousins. When we get together as a family, we got to rent out an entire convention hall, it seems like. And pretty much people have to wear name tags to, to remember their names. But anyways, my parents had always been uh, a part of their family business, which was putting together newspapers and running a print shop. And my mom and dad, while those partnerships were worked well, they decided that they were going to strike off on their own and really try to live that American dream. So they packed my three sisters and I up in an old station wagon, moved everything that they had. They second mortgaged everything to the hilt. They brought all their um, all their worldly possessions up in about three cars or so. And we moved into this little town where we basically knew no one. And my parents had purchased a print shop in the town where I come from, which is Plymouth, Wisconsin. And it inherited a one very old, very crotchety and salty old man. His name was Dewey. He was the meanest cuss I had ever seen at that time. (laughs) (laughs) He had no problem yelling at me, yelling at anybody. And so my parents, you know, started to carve themselves out this piece of the American dream here in a town. They knew nobody and just went to work day after day. And so as a kid, I was really highly influenced by that. I didn't appreciate it as much as I should have, um, nor as much as I appreciate the risk that they took today, um, or just moving away from friends and family to start totally anew. But it totally worked out for them over the next 25, 28 years or so. They built a great business. They became really a foundation in their community as well. You know, they donated to every church and every Boy Scout troop. And um, my dad manned every brat fry or cookout uh, on the weekends to, to help, whether it was help build new parts of the church or the school or whatever. So they had a great great career. They sold their business about three years ago and are really earning their, or really savoring their hard-earned uh, retirement. So that's wow. how it's, yeah, that's how it started for me was really getting an insight into the, I don't know, just the sacrifice of business, yet also the the immense work the immense sacrifice, the immense, um, sometimes it was like, geez, is this going to work out? Right. I remember my mom and dad being at the kitchen table and, um, I'm, I'm assuming they were pouring over reports or something like that. I remember my dad working late and you could just feel like, man, I, 
I hope this is going well, right? But as kids and, but my mom and dad were just always very, very positive with it. And I've never seen people happier because they were pursuing their own dream. So fast forward, I helped my parents a little bit, probably not as much as I should have, but uh, I was very interested in high school in basketball, girls and uh, towards the later part drinking, right? So that was like, that, that was my jam right there. I was uh, really <laughs> into partying and stuff like that. And um, so went into college and started to get some exposure to sales and really felt like, hey, sales is something I feel like I could really do. And so after college, uh, met my wife right around that time where my whole world just changed and she really opened my eyes to kind of what potentially could be and, and really opened up some uh, possibility within myself. And so I started in sales, you know, fresh out of school, bright-eyed and bushy-tailed. The year I graduated, I graduated in December um, and I remember the week that I graduated, I think there was like a USA Today or a Times or a Newsweek when Newsweek was still in print article that basically said, now is the worst time ever to find a job. <laughs> it was like December or January of 2008 or 2009. Great. And I was just like, oh, this is, hey, here we go. Let's see, you know, let's get after it. Uh, but anyways, I found my first sales job and it was an absolute total debacle. I started because uh, so I started in the commercial printing industry thinking that, oh, this will be it. Like, you know, I can leverage my experience from printing in the past and I can really help this company. I think it was the second or third day I was there. They had ended up laying off like 40% of their workforce and it kind of like made in this announcement like, and well, don't worry, we brought Mark in. He's going to, you know, rescue us from the depths <laughs> of this recession. And it was like, are they like, is there another Mark in this building? Like, is that me? But anyways, fast forward, I didn't spend too much long there, but then I did take a career when I was working for a family friend. And that's when the importance of a mentor and uh, personal and professional development really hit me hard. I had a great mentor uh, whose name was Pete Ryan. And Pete passed away about three years mm. ago to stage four liver cancer, but is just a huge, huge uh, part and a huge mentor. So when you asked that question before, you know, is it skill or is it luck? Well, I mean, I sure I could say skill, but man, I was really lucky to have a mentor like Pete and to have a mentor like Tim who had hired me at that time and really helped me cut my teeth in sales and in professional sales and really expose me to some of these professional development tools that are a part of me today. You know, before up until that time, I barely read a book, right? I grew up with dyslexia as a kid. I just, last thing I wanted to do was read, but Pete would urge me on and say, Hey, you got to read this like by this weekend, Monday, I'm, you know, I'm basically going to quiz you on it. And so I picked up a love for reading and a, and a love for professional development. And that's really, uh, that's really been a cool arc here as I look to publish my first, uh, book here, November 1st. Uh, so Kind of wild, really? and so yeah, that is that is so great. And and when you when you talk about a mentor, you you talk about something that the loyal listeners already know, which is huge in my life and huge in a lot of their lives because I've heard their stories over the years about how that mentor affected us, you know. Mm, yeah. And and um, mine was Mike Beard, and and I, I tell my team today, I say when something will come about, I'll say, hey, I have a beardism for that. <laughs> and so a, a beardism is is this wisdom that I took from this man, which was immense. He's almost like the guy that has a one-liner for everything. Right. I know the type. (laughs) Yeah. Except it wasn't like one liner comedians. It was like one or two liners, bits of knowledge and wisdom. Mm -hmm. And like a lot of it, the best wisdom when it's first said, you don't get it. You're kind of like, oh, yeah. Let me think about that. I yeah. think I understand what he's talking about. And then, you know, and then you experience something in life two days later or two weeks later, and you're like, oh my gosh. And it makes you a believer. And I I can't, to anybody out there who 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 is saying to themselves, you know, hey, I wish I had a mentor. Where can I find a mentor? Uh, Mark, I want to hear your thoughts on that. And But I will tell you me, I mean, mine, I got lucky. He was the guy who hired me the first time, Scratch. I called, picked him out of a phone book, and he literally hired me on Christmas Eve of 2001. And he he was a guy who had come into the independent world about five years before, and he had been a sales trainer with Farmers Insurance for like 25, 30 years. Oh, wow. So he was in his 50s and 60s when he was training me. And it was that wisdom. And, 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 and outside of that, since then, loyal listeners, 
I have reached out to many people by calling them and, and saying, hey, can I have lunch with you? I know this sounds weird because no one ever does this anymore, but I'd like to pick your brain. I, you have things about your life that I would like to have. You, have. you do things on a daily basis that I'd like to mimic or I'd like to know the reasoning behind that. Right. These are the people that you try that you try to associate with, that you're trying to get into the executive director of the chamber, the mayor of your town, um, a successful business person. You see a huge building and it's you know, they've got 500 employees and it's been led by Jim for the last 15, 30 years. Get Jim on the phone, you know, walk into his office, tell his assistant what you're trying to do and that you want to mentor and you want to be like him. If someone comes into my office, Mark, if someone came into your office, I mean, there's no way you're going to tell that person. Yeah, right. Beat it. Absolutely. You know what I mean? Yeah, Let's absolutely. I I am such a proponent of mentors. I think that it is literally the could be the difference between a mediocre career and life to an absolutely extraordinary one. Amen. And man, I am the product of my Amen. mentors. So yeah, absolutely. I totally agree. Amen. One of one of the things that I really like thinking about. And a phrase that always comes to mind, I like this so much. I think of Pete, I think of the other mentors that have been in my life, right? As iron sharpens iron, so one person sharpens another. And man, I just really think that that's critical when it comes yeah. to mentors. You need someone that's going to sharpen you, right? That's going to make you do the things you don't want to do, but it's going to make you get better. Hello, loyal listeners. Hey, are you a local agent struggling to find markets for your client? Maybe you, maybe not. Look no further than Nation Brokerage Solutions. With over 200 carriers, their comprehensive options give you what you need for your customers' ever-changing needs. With NBS, as they say it in the cool world, you can confidently offer a wide range of options to better support your customers and grow your business, A.K. agency. Don't settle for less. Do more with NBS. For more information about Nationwide Brokerage Solutions, visit nbsbrokerage.com. Cast certified. That's right. I've got a 23-year-old in my office right now. Just started from scratch. Ironically enough, I was 23 when I started with Beard. And and it was it was it's amazing because I told him um 2 months ago that I'm going to be nice and easy to him for the first 2 or 3 weeks cuz I want him to get an unpolluted look and feeling of the culture in our office. And but after that I'm going to start pressing. Mm-hmm. And little things, like little things like the fact that he walks in five or 10 minutes before we're supposed to start, which means that he's not actually ready mm-hmm. at the time we're supposed to start, you know? Yeah. But to him, as a 23-year-old, to him, the fact that he's in the building before 830, mm-hmm. it, that, that means that, that he's here. And I remember, Mark, I'll never forget this. I remember the third day I walked in, I was supposed to be there at eight o'clock with beardism, with beard, not beardism. And I, and I get there on the first day and I get there like at eight, eight Oh one. The second day I got there like at eight Oh one, eight, eight Oh five, something like that. The third day I walked in, it was like eight Oh seven. And I hear Jason, would you like to come in here? And so I went into his office and I sat there at the door and he said, Jason, what time do we come to work? I said, eight o'clock. He said, no, that's when we start work. He said, you should always be at any job you go to 15 to 20 minutes early. So here's your choice, Jason. You're going to listen to what I say tomorrow and every day after, or you can find another job somewhere else where they allow you to walk in at eight o'clock or eight oh five. That is awesome. Man, I tell you what, I tell you what, it shook me to my core and I was never late again. And I, I tell him that story so many times and he just laughs this day. Him and I go out boating all the time. We're big boaters. And, and he, he just laughs so much about that, but it was the truth. I needed somebody to be real to me. Mm -hmm. And that's what I tell Joe. I said, Joe, I'm going to be real with you, man. I'm going to tell you things that other people wouldn't tell you because I'm sharpening that Mm -hmm. iron, right? I'm sharpening that iron. And so it's really important that the mentor is not there to necessarily be your friend. Does that make sense when I say that, Mark? Oh, absolutely. I definitely agree with that. I mean, I just think of, and in your case, particular, right, when it comes to showing up on time and being ready, that's not just a thought of, all right, I'm going to be on time, right? That's an entire mindset that I'm going to be ready. I'm going to be prepared. I'm going to show up on time, whether it's to, um, 
whether it's to a client, to a prospect, or to my family. Like, I'm going to be ready. I'm going to be present. I'm going to treat myself as a professional. I'm going to respect your time. And that is huge. And uh, I think that a lot of life, uh, especially growing up, we try to nerf the corners for kids, right? We try to say like, oh, well, you're a little late. Don't worry. Or, oh, hey, you competed in this tournament, so everybody gets an award, right? We're trying to nerf and kind of cut out these hard edges. Man, sometimes what you need is someone who is not going to cut out those sharp corners. And if anything, is going to be as hard as they can be on you because that's what you need. Imagine if you were going to an appointment, right? Maybe his lessons didn't impact you right away, but showed up six years when you had a huge appointment and you normally would have been late for that, but you were on time, ready, and you closed the business because of it. The ripple effect is huge. You know, I, I heard this before. I've heard this before, but it was just reminded me by my buddy Brent Kelly uh, two days ago. He said that John C. Maxwell said that you will either prepare or you will have to repair. Hmm. That's awesome. And I really like that because, see, loyal listeners, to put that into practice, that's what I did. I didn't prepare, so I wasn't there at 8 or 8 – I was there at 8 or 8.05, and what I had to do is I had to repair – the relationship that I was building with that gentleman. I had to repair the relationship and the animosity that people had in the office because I got to show up at eight or eight five and thought that, that I could do that when they were showing up at seven forty and seven forty five. See, I failed to prepare and then I had to repair. So it's your choice. You get to do either one. I love John C. Maxwell. He is just one of my favorite people ever. And so thank you, Brent Kelly, also for reminding me of that. All right, let's get on to you because we've already been going 22 minutes and that's just a good podcast because we're just killing it over here at least you and i think so mark um, absolutely so, so we could go to say if anybody's listening i mean i understand mark you wouldn't believe it i, I literally have two or three people who swim so i always give them shout outs because they're literally they're swimming and listening to this at the same time i don't even oh, know how they cool. do it but they do it is cool so if you don't if you're in front of a computer the only time you need to be on your phone is if you're not in your car so standardsalesco.com that's standardsalesco.com you could go there and you can find Find out uh, about some of the stuff more about Mark. So, Mark, I do want to talk about you because uh, I'm talk about you, man. I'm telling <laughs> you what, I am just not on my game. I do want to talk about your business and how you know and why you do what you do. And so, I look at your uh, LinkedIn message or your LinkedIn profile, and it looks like you you were you're doing director of sales and you know, director of business de- development, and sales and recruiting for key technological solutions. And so at what point in time was it that you realized, number one, that you're good at sales and number two, that you're good enough to teach other people? Yeah. So I'll answer the first question. So I knew I was good in sales when I started with my mentor, with Pete, who we were talking about before. So I came in as a 23, 24-year-old, similar age to you or when you started, into the very competitive world of technical recruiting and staffing. And so at Key Technical, uh, that company that you mentioned on my LinkedIn profile, what we basically did is we would recruit and find engineers for companies in the southeastern Wisconsin market. So Milwaukee, where I'm not too far from, is huge into manufacturing. We weld, we grind, we build stuff here in Milwaukee. And uh, one of the (laughs) byproducts of that is we have a very competitive market when it comes to finding engineers, right? If you're going to build a giant mining shovel, well, you need like 150 mechanical designers and mechanical engineers that are going to, I don't know, draw up the shovel and do whatever those mechanical engineering types do. So I really learned that I was good at sales. I think it was more a learning of, hey, I can apply what I'm being taught. I can work hard and I can make it happen. When I went from um, the first couple months while I was working at Key, when I was under Pete's tutelage, I just kind of, like most of my life at that point, I just kind of bobbed around, right? If someone gave me some direction, uh, I'd kind of take it. I just wasn't as motivated as I want to be. I just, I felt like, ah, I'm doing okay, but I wasn't really getting to where I wanted to go. And Pete really opened up my eyes to that. Also, my wife and I, um, my wife became pregnant with our firstborn and that just like flipped a switch with me. And within a year um, of that happening, I was making six figures at a very, very low base. I think I was being paid, you know, 20 or 30 K base or something like that. And then making six figures. And also just my whole life was exploding at that time. I was training for an Ironman. And just uh, that's when it seems like I turned the switch from like, hey, uh, maybe I can do this too. Oh, I can do this. Like, and I'm good at this. And I think confidence and enthusiasm begets confidence and enthusiasm, especially when it comes to sales. So I realized the more confident I was, the 
more enthusiastic I was when it came to sales, the more my customers, my prospects were going to be enthusiastic and confident about me and what I was selling in my solution. I'm going to tell you that, Mark. I got to say that that's probably one of my biggest weapons. It truly is one of my biggest weapons. Now, I have honed in skills on other things. I'm I'm a reader. I go to a lot of these uh, classes. And I mean, I, I, I love sales and prospecting. It's crazy. Mm-hmm. I'm the same way, though. I think a lot of what I do is, yes, my skills are decent, uh, maybe average or a little bit above average, but it's my enthusiasm. People will yes. just be like, dude, you be- – I mean, they'll ask me, like, you believe in this company like hardcore? And I'm like, yeah, I believe in three or four of my companies I have, but for you – this is the carrier. This is the package. This is what you're needing for these things that you told me what your pain points and your values were. And here it is delivered to you. And when I explain that to them, man, I can just get enthusiastic. I mean, I can, I'm just an insurance geek and I get really crazy about it. So it's not so much sales. I wouldn't say that I get excited Mm -hmm. about sales. I get excited about helping people purchase insurance. I really, truly do. And so it's good to hear you say that because I think uh, enthusiasm is a huge key to being successful in sales. Absolutely. I think it's honestly, it's a superpower. I think one of the first superpowers that you can have is gratitude, but I think closely behind that, the next superpower is enthusiasm. I mean, it is, have you ever been pitched by someone who's like Johnny Raincloud or Sally Wet Blanket? Yes. When they're, yeah, they're right. They're like a total wet noodle, zero enthusiasm about the company or the product. And it's just like, oh gosh, do I really have to buy from you? And in some cases you have to, but man, if I'm working with someone or if someone's trying to sell me and they've got some enthusiasm, like that's what I want. Like I want you to be excited about selling me or providing this solution. So uh, for any young or upcoming or even veteran salespeople, man, if you can just harness the superpower that is enthusiasm, I guarantee your life, your career is going to be so much better. It just is. So for you insurance agents, how do we harness that career? What you do is you get to know your trade. You get to know your policies. You get to know your the where you are separating yourself from other agents, where your policy is different, where your services that your agency provides are different. Once you get to know those and you know them really well and off the top of your head and you can spit them out, that gives you confidence. And when you have confidence, you'll start to notice that other people around you, like when they get confident in something they say, they start to speak louder, right? They start to speak louder because that's their enthusiasm coming out. So what I want you to do is I want you to know your product and know them really well. And number two, know your client because your client actually is what's going to dictate the product. So when you know that client and you're super focused specifically on a niche and you get to know your product with that client, you can't help but be enthusiastic because this is something with insurance, Mark, they have, they don't want to know clients and our customers that's like, tell me what I need to know. And here's my, my situation. But besides that, I don't want to think about this. Right. And it's, 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 that's where I, that's where I bring a lot of my enthusiasm, Mark is, Mm -hmm. is understanding that this person doesn't give a crap about this other than, Hey, is it going to be there when I need it? And in the meantime, you seem to believe in it, Jason. So I'm going to trust you. You know what I mean? Yes. That's, is it any different in other, in other industries? Tell them, tell the loyal listeners, the other industries actually that you provide sales to. Yeah, so I work with a lot of companies that are SaaS, software as a service, whether in healthcare or whether in background checks or in a variety of different other software type of companies. Uh, I also work with a lot of real estate companies, both professional, or I'm sorry, both personal as well as commercial real estate companies, managed service companies. So your IT companies that do the break fix and they do the uh, managing of your networks and servers. Those are kind of some of the big three areas that I play around in. Okay, and you said that I think you've uh, you've you've started to dabble a little bit with some insurance companies companies and helping them, I guess, try to figure out their sales team. Is that right? I'm trying to figure out how do you, how do you create a sales team inside technology? Help me there. I'm stupid that way. No, that's okay. So I'll start. So one of my, so my main core service that I offer and how I work and help with most companies is I help them start a professional sales team. So it really started as I was coming up through the ranks and I was managing sales teams uh, in a couple different areas. We grew very fast at the last company I was at. We went from, I think seven or eight salespeople. We had to scale up and scale up a really fast growing company that got up to about 70, 75 people we had to hire that were both in sales as well as in service. And so during that time, when we 
were growing really rapidly. And this was over, I think like 14 months or 13 months or something like that. We had to put just a ton of systems and a ton of process in when it came to building this sales team, right? And so I started thinking about all the systems, the processes that we put together and realizing that, hey, this could really help a lot of other companies, right? There was a lot of other companies in my area, as well as people that are family, friends, uh, associates, mentors, even where I was thinking, man, if they could only have this playbook that we're developing here to help grow sales teams, scale them, get salespeople up and running, faster so they can produce revenue uh, as soon as possible. Man, this would really help a lot of companies. I knew that that would have helped my parents' company when they were back uh, and just getting started. So so yeah, so I started. And so one of my main core products is a 90-day sales blueprint. I call it the 90-day sales blueprint. And basically what I do is I help companies first understand what is their sales culture and help a CEO who's stuck being the CEO, the main janitor, this lead salesperson, right? The customer service, trying to be all the things for all the people. I help take all of that native language or native knowledge that's stuck in between the seven inches in their head and really pull that out, extract that out, get it all on a playbook so that they can have a sales process, right? So if they get hit by the Corona truck tomorrow, there's actually something that their sales process and sales playbook can continue on. And then we work really hard at developing a recruiting and talent strategy process. So how uh, a company is going to recruit, how they're going to look for talent, what type of talent do they need, all the way up to what should they pay them and how should they onboard them and train them. So that's really where I help the majority of my companies. Wow. Yeah. And, and as you're doing, and as you've been talking, um, listening and also just checking out your website about different packages you do. So you do do things on a team, um, but then you also break them down into individuals and then how to scale. And I think that's interesting because I don't, I mean, explain to me, and I know what scaling is, but explain to me mm -hmm. what that looks like if you're helping individuals and then those individuals, you're helping build a sales team. And then from that point, scaling it, any, any ideas? Can you give me some examples? Oh yeah, absolutely. So I think scaling can come in a lot of different forms. I really try to define scaling specifically for what it means to the CEO, the founder, or the owner, right? How can they scale? How can they grow their sales without having to be the individual who does all the sales, right? How can they form a sales team that's going to do the majority of the outbound and inbound conversations and prospecting and generating this engine of sales so that they don't have to be stuck in the business, you know, following up on a quote or, or doing, um, you know, the actual day-to-day -day sales work that they can be working on the business to create bigger parts, right? To, um, create the bigger lever movers that can really grow their business. So some of the ways that I've helped companies do that, it's a variety of different things. Companies, um, you know, tend to need uh, a couple of things. It's not just one sort of problem that we solve. It can be anything from setting up a very high touch proactive cadence when people or companies get leads. Instead of just the one or two phone calls and, a, and an email out, I help companies set up a very strict cadence of communication of how they're going to communicate with these leads. Typically, it looks like 15 touches over 20, 21 days or so. And that's, let's say a lead comes in. And basically, this is how they're going to call, email, send a video email, send a LinkedIn message, send a text message if need be to really follow up on that lead and to communicate with that lead. Follow-up's the key, isn't it, Mark? Oh, it's absolutely huge. So many companies have a huge opportunity right now when it comes to follow-up. The money is absolutely in the follow-up. And we, and I mean, so many times uh, my producers will follow up on a lead or something, you know, hey, we want to help you, blah, blah, blah. And they put it in their CRM that they need to follow up six, seven months later. Probably, I don't want to say once a day, but probably two to three times a week we'll have a producer say, yeah, they're setting an appointment with me because we're the only one that called back. We're the only one that followed up, right? We have, we have inside sales, Mark, that, that the customer will tell us that they spoke to another agent or maybe even two other agents, and they're going to allow us to have the business because we're the only one that called them back. Like the, like agents go in and collect all the information, meet with the business owner, do the whole thing, and then they just leave and never come back. And we just get the business because we actually put together a proposal that met their needs and their values and fixed their pain points. And here it is. 
and it's it's amazing. I mean, it wasn't that way when I first started out. Back in 01, 02, 03, man, when you were competing against guys who'd been doing it 25, 30, 35, 40 years, I mean, a lot of those guys are now, you know, starting to retire. But back then, I was in the thick of it. And I mean, those guys followed up heavily. I never had someone when I was calling them say, oh yeah, I've given you the business because you actually followed up. I think that's like a, it's like an epidemic. It's a, it's, 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 it's something that, that our salespeople today, I don't know if taught or not understanding that you find in that in your situations as well. Yeah. I don't know if it's being taught, if it's ingrained or if it's just a level of apathy, but man, there is so much opportunity for someone that just follows up, not to even mention to follow up creatively or to follow up proactively or to continue to follow up. Right. I mean, we're just talking about the simple follow-up procedure of, Hey, I met with you. I'm going to give you a quote and then I'm going to ask you for your business. That's, I mean, I think the, that's why I think the future for insurance agents um, and producers, is so, so bright with 20, 25, 30% of the population of producers retiring within the next like 10 years, according to a study, I think this was in property and casualty, Mm -hmm. you know, there's going to be just a massive influx or I'm sorry, a massive exodus of people retiring. The time is so ripe right now for an aggressive, proactive producer to absolutely dominate a market. I mean, it's, it's awesome. It's, it's a very exciting time. 10,000 people a day are turning 65 years old right now. You know what I mean? That's a, that's an unbelievable number. And when you say that, that's not a month, that's not a year, mm-hmm. like every day, 10,000 people. And, and one of the things that I, I won't get off on that, but um, that's one of the things that's really cost a lot of agency owners today is because of their lack of scalability. The lack of the fact of they never created somebody to take their spot. And I'm not talking perpetuation and of your business. I'm talking about the fact that there's a guy or gal who's been in the business now 25 to 30 years and they're still the lead producer in their office. I, I just don't, uh, for, for the majority of the businesses out there, that just, that's, that's a recipe for disaster. It has to be, and that's another thing too, is the head agent in the, who produces the most business mark will also be leading three or four other agents and he or she is complaining about how those three or four other agents aren't succeeding when that owner whose job is to mentor them, who is to either train them or get the training and give them the time, it's not being done. Amy, De- Amy Franco, who was on here a couple of weeks ago, she said that the number one thing that you can do to help train your sales staff from that she's seen is just give them your time. How true. Right? So, so, so we, so many times, like we do give them that upfront, like here's two or three days worth of training. And then we give them a phone book and a telephone and put them in a windowless, windowless room and say, Hey, go at it. Good luck. And, and, yeah, exactly. And it's, and, and so many people who are in sales who have taken exit polls as to the reason why they failed. A lot of it has to do with, I'm paraphrasing here, the fact that I didn't get enough time with the people who I was trying to be. And, and that goes back to that mentorship thing that mm-hmm. goes right back to that. And so, yeah, so, so that's, that's interesting. It's interesting how you can see the same things. And I think that's important, loyal listeners, for you to listen to Mark. That's why I brought him on. He's in another industry. He's doing other things. But it's the same problems and the same issues that you're dealing with in your agency, which is the good news, mm-hmm. right? Like it's bad news, Mark, if, if a guy's listening to this or a gal's listening to this and she's like, man, I have completely different problems than what they're talking about. That may not be good news because now you may be the issue. But I think there's a lot of times that sometimes when I have an issue and I find out that other agents have that issue, that makes me feel good in the fact that I can say, well, wait, maybe this isn't all me. But then there's also good news in knowing that we can get through this together. And, that, and that's what we do at AI Mastermind. And that's what I think a lot of groups try to do is say, hey, we all have these common pitfalls. And that's another thing, too. Let me ask you about this, Mark. In other industries, never in the history of insurance, in the last five to six years, we've created all these self-help groups where us agents help each other. Do you guys, do you see that in other industries, in the tech, technology industry, real estate industry, where these people in this industry are helping each other learn? Or is that just weird to insurance? I think it's a little more unique when it comes to insurance. 
you know, from my experience, yes, there are some peer groups like your EO, um, your Vistage, your tech, some other ones. But I think insurance is really unique like that, that there is so much camaraderie, especially when you have things like uh, in our state, it's the uh, IIAW. I'm sure Illinois has got one yep. similar, right? Mm-hmm. Um, and then there's this massive national structure as well. The when big it comes, guy. Yeah, yeah, the big guy. I mean, I, I think that's very unique to um, that industry. And it's something that a lot of people should be leveraging. They should be leveraging. Everybody needs to stay away from the big guy because they're not good people. But okay. um, Mark, I'm just I'm saying that to be mean, but I'm saying it to be truthful, but I'm saying it jokingly. You and technology and everybody else, you need to be probably involved with the big guy. But sometimes I've just never seen an organization that makes decisions contour to or um, contradicting, excuse me, um, to what the members want. Anyways, I, I did a couple podcasts at the end of last year on that. I won't beat them up anymore. Um, the big eye has been huge in my life and they've helped change a lot of people's lives. But you are right. But there's also things like IAOA, which is the Insurance Agency Owners Alliance, which is out there with like 5,000, 6,000 members, you know, and it's free. And every day agents are just in there like, hey, how do I do this? Hey, what do I do this? Whether it's sales tips, whether it's operations, workflows, procedures, technology. And it's so crazy because it's not like there's one or two of these groups like I'm part of like six or seven of these groups and one is all about automation. So if you want to go over to this group and learn anything about automation, this one over here is about processes and workflows. You've got insurance soup, uh, which is a collection, which I find them to be very, very captive agents and captive agents that have come over from the independent side. But, but the point is, is we're all sharing, right? We're sharing this information. I will want to, I'm saying this for a reason, Mark. I believe that we're in the beginning of seeing this, but I don't think we understand it completely into the fact that there's, it's very easy to pass poison when things are free. So when one person in the group says, hey, this worked for my agency and is awesome, you should try it. There's sometimes I see those posts in there, Mark, and like my skin crawls. I'm like, okay. oh my oh my gosh. You know what I mean? Like, no, yeah. everybody in the group, don't listen to that. Right. <laughs> and so, and, and, and you can't say that, but, mm-hmm. but what, but what happens is, is now, oh yeah, that's a great idea. That's a great idea. And then a matter of hour, now a thousand agents are thinking this and they're going that way. And I think that's where it's important to have people like you, Mark, where it's important to have people like Tom Baker, where it's important to have people like Billy Williams, like Steve Anderson, a lot of these guys who are not so much, yes, they've had experience in the industry or they've had experience in sales or whatever it is, but they're able to bring it because they're outside, right? They're outside Mm -hmm. looking in. Did you have some of those issues, some of those uh, things? I mean, does that make sense? Yeah. I mean, I think right now there is no shortage of information. And if you wanted to find all the info you wanted on establishing a new agency or automation or sales techniques, I mean, the, it's literally limitless, right? Mm-hmm. And it's all, there's always going to be more. I think what it really comes down to, and this is what I see with a lot of companies outside of the insurance space, is that it's not the information, but it's the transformation, right? It's the execution of that information, which right. so many people, I think that's why the training industry will never go go away because at an average training, right? Most people, I would say like only 20% probably actually implement what we talk about or what we train, right? The other 80% says, well, okay, I'll do that next week or I'll do that the following week. And then they forget all about that training. Yep. So I think it all comes down to the um, implementation and the execution, right? I think that's where all the money is. It's the old thought of like, yeah, ideas are great, but man, give me someone that executes and that that's where the real action is. That's where the real money yeah, is. Yeah, you're right. You're right about that. You are right, man. Um, so let me ask you, let me wrap this up with leaders or readers and readers or leaders. And I know you're a reader. What are you reading right now? Or what's a book you've read recently that you think uh, the loyal listeners would like? Oh, yeah. Well, you mentioned the Tao of Seneca before, which I really, really love. I'm big into... Uh, you, are you serious? Yeah, absolutely. I'm a huge... My, so my first Sweet, book dude. is going to be uh, Epictetus that... Uh, is one of my favorites. I read a passage of that every single day. Wow, man, we are some straight geeks, aren't we? 
I'm telling you. Big time. It's big, big time. time. But dude, like so many times I have to back up the Seneca and be like, wow, what he just said it totally relates to 2019, right? And once again, mm-hmm. that's see, once again, I consider that the good news. Right. When we look at this world and we look at all the crazy things going on, it's good to read history and listen to them talk about their times and think, wow, I could see how they thought the end of the world was coming. Right. You know what I mean? Mm -hmm. And so it's it's the good news. I say that all the time. It's the good news. I mean, it's bad news when you're by yourself. So so anyways, um, and and what book are you reading right now? Right now, I'm reading uh, two of them. So one of my favorite books that I also read probably once at least a year, at least every six months is a book by Craig Ballantyne. It's called The Perfect Day Formula. Craig is someone I've gotten to know over this past year, and it's really, really good. If anybody's looking for just a way to more streamline their life, be more productive, be what more is it again? efficient with their time, it's called The Perfect Day Formula by Craig Ballantyne. Okay. Wow. I have never heard of that. And I'm kind of excited about that. That is how to own the day. I got it. Okay. Yeah. All right. Fantastic. And that's, yeah, so that's a great one. And then uh, another one that I'm rereading as well. I, you know, I don't know. I'm, I'm just, re- it's like right now it's the time of rereading books is uh, it's called zero to 100 or I'm sorry, it's called, um, no, it's ready fire aim how to get to zero to a hundred million by mark masterson i like that okay and and that is a really really good one all as right well. fantastic hey mark it's been it's been a pleasure having you on uh if people want to find out more about you where can they uh go to yeah, best way to find me would be standardsalesco.com or uh, I'm most active on LinkedIn and that's where I post uh, just about every week or at least uh, a couple times a week. Uh, and so my, you can find me and that is Mark Evans uh, on LinkedIn and I'm the bald yeah, he's guy. He's the bald guy. And uh, I see, uh, actually, uh, I, see, I think it's Mark P. Evans if you want to search at linkedin.com forward slash in oh, forward slash very much. Mark P. Evans. Yeah, sure. No problem, man. Hey, appreciate you coming on. Uh, this has been fantastic and uh, I hope people reach out to you and uh, be sure to hit me up in the next year or two. Tell me what you're doing, Mark, and I look forward to it. Yeah, that sounds great. I will. Hey, loyal listeners, as always, as always, I am so happy that you stayed to listen. I hope you listened and you got a lot out of this. I wasn't expecting to talk about mentorship like we did, but I want you to know that that will be one of the most prized possessions, one of the biggest bricks and building blocks that you can build your career on is making sure that you have one, two, three, as many mentors as you can, but really connect with one or two, dive deep with that person. It's really, really important to building your skyscraper as tall as it can go. So tell me your thoughts, tell me your ideas, and I'm going to tell the world what you have to say. This has been Jason Cass with Agents Influence Podcast. We're out. Are dropped calls and poor voice quality slowing down your business communication? It's time you switch to a solution that keeps the team connected seamlessly. Introducing Lightspeed Voice, your gateway to a revolutionary VoIP system designed to elevate your business communications to the next level. With Lightspeed Voice, you get more than just a reliable connection. You get feature-rich system that adapts to your business needs, whether it's video, conferencing, virtual voicemail, or call forwarding. Lightspeed Voice, they've got you covered. They got my agency covered at the Insurance Alliance. Worried about the transition? Don't be. Lightspeed Voice offers a seamless integration, making the switch to our VoIP system a breeze. Our expert support team, that's what they're known for, is here to guide you every step of the way, ensuring a smooth and efficient transition for your business. That's right. But that's not all. Lightspeed Voice is not just a communication tool. It's a strategic investment in your business success. It is. Save on your monthly communication costs while enjoying top-notch service. It's a win-win and it is. You can put that money somewhere else. Don't let outdated communication systems hold your business back. Upgrade to Lightspeed Voice today and experience the difference. Visit our website or call now to schedule a demo and see firsthand how Lightspeed Voice can transform your business communications. Lightspeed Voice, where every word matters and your business is always in sync. Cass approved.